story. I'm not going to repeat the whole story, but essentially my kids got swept out to sea and Matt, my brother-in-law and I jumped in and uh, Matt rescued them and pulled them back in. And in the middle of all the kerfuffle and everything that's going on, I walked past a family that are sitting on the shore a little bit up the beach. They didn't know I was connected to anything that was happening. And I hear them say, I don't know what all the fuss was about. I don't know why they were panicking. And uh, again, if you were here last week, that just made my blood boil, you know. In that moment, I was so mad because these are my kids. And uh, what are they talking about? Nothing to panic about. These people matter to me, yet those people weren't willing to risk. By the way, other people were. There was a few other people that got engaged in the search. But this family decided there was nothing to worry about. And this is what we're talking about at the moment when it comes to evangelism. Are we going to be people that sit on the shore or are we going to be people that put a bomb under ourselves and say we're going to do something about what God is calling us to do? I shared out of 1 Corinthians 5.14 and it says this, For Christ's love compels us. We're compelled. I love that word. We're driven along by the love of Jesus Christ in our life to share the faith that we have to do something about it. And if you listen to that whole passage, it's, it's a whole passage about the fact that we are um, ambassadors for Christ, that we have a job to do. Uh, verse 20, we are therefore <clears throat> Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We ap- implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And then in what is almost like a little passage on what the gospel is all about. It's just inserted right in the middle here. Verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's a little bit like, remember, this is what it's all about. The gospel, who God is in our life and that's what compels us on. And then I think it's one of those places where they get the chapter markers wrong in the Bible because 6 verse 1 says this, and God's fellow, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. I think that's really the concluding comment of the whole previous chapter, which is like, you have so much. We've been saved from so much. We're free, but don't take it in vain. Don't leave it on the shelf. Don't sit on the shore, but be people that get wet and do something, be compelled by the love of God and just this last week we were reading and it certainly caught my eye again 2nd Kings 7 the story of uh, the siege that is happening in Samaria and I think it it's a response to everything that the gospel is all about it's a siege happening in Samaria and we see the people in Samaria in that town in that city uh, in a desperate situation the army of the Arameans have lined up all around the city and they're just waiting for the moment. Anybody would come out and they will, they will kill them. And there's a famine, of course, happening they, and they cannot get uh, in or out. No food can come in. It's desperate and we see crazy stuff happening like you know, a donkey's head is being sold for an incredible price of money to, to eat. That's where they're at. And then when things get to their absolute worst, we see two women actually make a deal to eat their own children. And at this point, the king in the city tears his robes. He's so desperate and he's so 
angry at everything. He's angry at God about this situation. He's angry at the prophet and everybody's up in arms and desperate and there's no way out. And then there's like this little by story that's happening at the same time. You have all this happening in the walls and then outside of the walls you have two lepers and then they're in just as bad a situation if not worse because they can't get even into the city and they can't go that way because the army is all wrapped around the city stopping them getting out because of the siege and they say to each other one way or another we're going to die so we're going to head on over to the army of the Arameans and just see whether they'll have any mercy on us now an interesting thing happens because God supernaturally moves God does something incredible and he uses his supernatural forces and he makes the sound of an army come into the ears of this surrounding army. It's not real, but they think something's happening. They think a whole nother army has arrived and in the middle of the night, they all get spooked and in an instant, they drop everything. They think their lives are going to be finished and they run for the hills and they literally leave everything. They abandon everything. So these two lepers say, we're heading on over there and we might be about to lose our life, but who cares? Because we're going to die anyway. And they creep on over to the other camp and start to look around and they open the first tent and there's nobody in there. And the next tent, the next tent, they look around the whole place. It's totally empty it's totally free and they can't believe their luck and so as the story goes they enter the first tent they obviously eat themselves silly they they find gold and precious items and they gather them up scripture says they go away they bury them they say this is so good we've hit pay dirt and then they go to the second uh, tent and they begin the whole next part of the process they're gonna they're gonna steal more until one of them has a revelation and if we can just bring that scripture up onto the, onto the screen, one of them has a revelation and they say to each other, we are not doing right. This is a day of good news and we are keeping it to ourselves. Now do you see what's happening here in this moment? This is a day of good news. We're saved. We, we were dead and we're now saved. We were lost and we're found. We can't keep it to ourselves. It's not just ours. This victory, this celebration is not just ours. And they say to each other, well, we've got to go back and we've got to invite everybody else into this, right? And they go back and at first they don't believe them and they send out, you know, explorers and they find out they're right and the whole city is saved. But there's a point to this and that is that they had good news and they came to the revelation, we cannot keep this for ourselves. And friends, this is the same for us. We've got this good news. We've been lost and now we're found. We were dead and we're saved into eternal life. This is a story about sharing salvation. And we've got to wake ourselves up and say, we've got to be people that are willing to risk. But do not take the grace of God in vain. And that's who we are. That's who we want to be. So this morning, what we're going to do is really walk through a really simple process again to allow ourselves to step beyond ourselves. And it does begin, and you've had it 
handed out to you here this morning with a little diagram and I hope that you can just look at your own hand and begin to remember the steps and the first step is simply this, be ready to risk. This is really what all of last week's message was about, be worth you having a look at that but just be ready. I've been amazed, I've been on this journey for about two months, the number of times I get opportunities just because suddenly again lately I'm keeping my eyes open. Be ready, be ready to risk and understand in the middle of it that God is working in people's hearts, just just try things. You know, Bill Hybels talks about it like this, he talks about checking doors. It's just such a great little picture but that he just walks into a conversation and he'll just check the door of somebody's heart. He might say, are you interested in coming along to church? That's a door checker. Did you know that? Oh, I was a pastor at a church, a door checker. And he can tell pretty quickly what the level of resistance back against him is as he does that. Plenty of times he finds that door is locked and he says the most important thing to do is not to try and ram your way through that door. But fair enough. I'll come back another time and just try the door again. No problem. In fact, I heard recently the story, and I think these stories are really important to tell. The fact, you know, Bill Hybels is a, is a raving evangelist, and you wouldn't necessarily know it. Love sharing faith. But he gets knocked back all the time, and he's got this great friend that he's traveled, you know, 30, 40 years with in, in their friendship. They're good friends. And just recently, it was the 40th celebration of Willow Creek and they were gathering 40,000 people in the same complex. It was going to be, you know, this fantastic day and he figured, this is my moment again to try again with my friend. And he went up to the door and he said to his friend, would you like to come along to our 40th celebration? The friend said, no, not interested, sorry. And Bill said, fine, and he moved on. And this is the thing, we try doors, we're ready to risk. Sometimes we try a door and that door opens a little bit. We can have a bit more of a conversation. But we're people that are ready to share about the good news that we have. Now remembering, it's not us that does the work anyway, it's God that does the work and that prepares hearts. There's a scripture at the bottom of that hand that I think is so important. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message. So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. I think that passage of Scripture has so much in it. But beyond anything else is the truth that it's God that opens doors in people's hearts be praying, God, do something. Let me come alongside what you're doing. I can't jam the door open, but you can soften somebody's heart. And we don't know what God is doing in the hearts of people. Do you know, we'll touch on this as we go along, but in the story of Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch, a beautiful, famous story where the eunuch gets saved and he goes back to Ethiopia and they believe the whole Christian church in Ethiopia began, we know that it's very obvious that God was working on the heart of that man before anything happened, before Philip came along. That man was going through something and friends, we don't know what somebody is going through in their life. People will very often look very controlled and in 
and, and sorted out and, and, and having their life, um, it all looks good on the outside, but on the inside, you don't know what's going on and your job is to check, to try the door. I can't tell you that one of the advantages of my job is I, I get to talk to people and oftentimes they'll open up a part of their life and I pretty much guarantee you nine out of ten people even in this place right now will have something going on in their life that might not be quite so evident as you just walk into this place something's happening God is always at work and our job is just to see God what are you doing in that person that looks like they've got it all together how are you working so be ready so what we're going to do today is really just share and listen to some absolutely brilliant stories from uh, a group of people. I mean, so encouraged. We've only, there's only week two, but in the last week, I probably had, I reckon, 12 people um, share different stories of things that are going on in their own lives. And uh, we've got some great people here today that are just going to share and invite us into a bit of their journey. Betsy, Nicole, Linda, and Glenn. So thanks, guys, for being willing to, to share. I'm going to start with you, Nicole. Um, you are somebody that is just ready to share faith wherever God leads and wherever He opens the door. First of all, how long have you been a Christian yourself? Um, it's just been over two years I've been a Christian. Okay, so it's all fairly new. And what's how does it work for you in your workplace in terms of being ready? What does that look like? For me, it's, um, I guess, living that Christian life and making sure, well, not making sure, just being open that I am a Christian yeah. and people are aware that I am a Christian at work and I have a faith. I don't hide it. I explain that on the weekend I went to church yeah. and I'll talk about that on Monday and some people will want more of a conversation regarding that and some just leave it, which is fine. Yeah, yeah. It's just checking the doors, right? But being, but being ready to do that. Where do you work? Well, I finished on Friday. Oh, you do? You finished on Friday. You <laughs> yeah. got the sack, right? No, no, no. <laughs> um, I was working at Aussie Game Meats, so okay. we export meat. All right, fantastic. So just um, regular workplace. And uh, now part of the story where it gets even cooler is that Nicole... Uh, has a real-life story and in that you have invited someone recently along to Catalyst. Talk about that. It was Alicia. Yes, so I met Alicia start early in the year and um, I initially got to know her and, and her story, what, what she's about and what's important to her um, and invited her along very, very early in the piece um, but it was actually three months later that she came along. So um, at work, I'd have a two-minute to ten-minute conversation every now and again, um, and sometimes that would relate to, to faith, worship, those kind of things. Um, and eventually she did come along, and I didn't ask her that time that she come along. She asked to come along. So oh, really? Okay. Just a journey along, along the way. Um, and um, she just mentioned that I had a passion about my faith and, and I guess that's what encouraged her along. Yeah. So how many times would you say you got knockbacks from Alicia before she eventually came? 
Um, maybe three or four times, I'm not wow. really sure. Did it put you off? Was it discouraging? No, because no? I, right. I just saw the goodness in her and I could right. see, uh, I don't know, I just saw something and okay. just wanted to, her to come along. Yeah, and I, I don't know if Alicia is in this service, but she is? Okay, well, I, I don't know where you are, Alicia. <laughs> We're talking about you. But um, there's Alicia. Why don't you put your hands together for Alicia, who is here in the service. And, you know, I had the chance last week to sit and have coffee with Nicole and Alicia, and I just heard Alicia go, I'm just so glad that Nicole invited me along. And it makes my heart pound, but it also makes me go, how many people are there out there that aren't here, that could be here, if somebody just said, come along to church, would you, would you, would you just come and do a journey, would you see what you think, and be okay with those knockbacks and, and the whole bit? Yeah, well, there's so many people seeking, but they don't know how yeah. to, to get to that place. Yeah, that's, that's true too. Glenn, you um, got a great story on this subject about just being ready and uh, you're a storeman, correct? And working with truckies is often your avenue. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I work for Woolworths, but I work on receipts, so technically we receive all the stock that comes okay. in, so it's like the transport industry. Okay. Uh, interstate truck drivers, local drivers and uh, a big motley crew of people that are there. Um, yeah, only just not long ago, I was um, there's this young driver that was uh, coming on a regular basis, and this he come up, and, and I started talking to him. The Lord just really spoke to me about sharing my testimony, but he first said to me, he said, "Well, what do you think of child molesters?" So I, I promptly told him what I believe, and um, so. But then the Lord said to me, "Come on." So I started to share with him. I said, "You know," I said. Um, I, uh, I said I was molested as a child and I was sexually assaulted as a teenager by four men in a job I worked. And he stood there and he started to cry. He started to just cry. And then he said to me, he said, mate, that happened to me. And then he said to me, he said, mate, he said, you know, before that, he said I was a really happy kid. I mean, now I'm just angry and bitter. And I said, I understand that. And then he said to me, he said, mate, he said, uh, you're the first person I've ever told this to. And I said, that's great. I said, you know, talking about is the first thing, the first step. Yeah. Then I said to him, said, mate, you need to go and get counselling. I said, but don't just go to a normal counsellor. I said, because they can only help you with tools to cope with the abuse. I said, but you've got a deep wound in your heart yeah. and, in your, in your, and in your life. And he goes, yeah. And I said, there's only one person that can do that. And I said, that's Jesus. I said, you need to see a Christian counsellor. So they're going to pray for you. Yeah. And, and I really encouraged him. And he just just was really teary. And I just really thank God because, you know, I said to him a lot of things. But I, I also encouraged him. I said, mate, it's not your fault. I said, don't be ashamed by this. I said, it's not your fault. Yeah. And I said, there's another thing you need to do too, mate. And he goes, what? And I said, it's the hardest thing to do, but it's the most liberating for you. He goes, what's that? I said, forgiveness. I said, forgiving the perpetrator. I said, that is what's going to set you free the most. And, and I said, I know. And, um, yeah, we just had a really good talk. And I, and I just I prayed for him at the end of the, you know, and it's just amazing what God did in his heart. Yeah. I know, like, I haven't seen him for a while now, so I don't know where he's working or what, but all I know is that God started to do something yeah. in his life. Yeah. And it was so wonderful to be a part of it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's just being ready. Yeah. Yeah, Glenn, I just want to acknowledge Glenn in this moment. Just thanks for sharing, you know, part of your story with us. That's, that's pretty brave in itself. Um, and it really does move to this second point that we hear their story. I love that we start with the other person. I'm not saying there's always a rule about this, but, but just being willing to listen to where the other person is at and what is going on in their life. And, and Glenn here is talking exactly about that, like just engaging with exactly where that person's at. The thing about a story is everybody is fascinating. Everybody has a story. Everybody can share a struggle that they're going through. And if you remember last week, we, we shared about creation being a part of the story, but in the middle there, we have um, the fall and then we have redemption. And then it finishes with restoration. But this fall and redemption, and I think we have a slide that, that shows this, these, this little middle section here fall and redemption are a part of our story. They're a part of what we've got to share, the fall part of our story. Sometimes we think that's all got to be about Adam and Eve and the sin that's in the world. How about just starting with us? This is my story of brokenness. This was sin that happened against me. This is sin that I've done. But the beauty of what we've got to be able to share about is we can talk about redemption Glenn there is talking about what Jesus has done in his life and how, how he's found forgiveness. And that part of the story is incredible and it's beautiful and it's real and it matters when it comes from us. And I think sometimes we want to move too quickly to say restoration or love, the love of God and we forget that the fall and the struggle and the brokenness of ourselves is what will resonate with somebody else and to be able to talk about the redemption of God and what God does in the middle of that, the humility that it takes to do that and the readiness to do it can be so impactful in the lives of people. So again, Glenn, that, I, you know, just obviously spot on and for that guy, it cracks something open. We don't know where, where that man is at. Let's see whether God brings him back into your life or whether there'll be, you know, a further situation. But we've got to be ready to, to listen and hear a story. Anybody else want to say anything on just hearing somebody's story? Give you one second on chance. No, that's fine. But the next step in the process is, what does God want you to do? And you'll find that these steps very obvious. Be ready to risk, hear a story, know somebody's name is a part of that. What does somebody, what does God want you to do in this moment? And sometimes that'll just be a quick breath prayer to God going, God, I'm, I'm in this situation and I, I don't quite know what, what's, what's next for me, God. How do you want me to act right now? Um, and again, remember, it might take you out of your normal routine. You might feel a little bit uncomfortable. Philip, with the Ethiopian, had to change his direction to get involved in that situation. He was going one way, he had to go a totally different way. God might cause you to feel a bit uncomfortable in that moment and he might cause you to actually open up and share about faith. And again here, I just want to keep bringing it back to the point that 
we at some point share about faith, about this beautiful thing called the gospel. That is the key ingredient in the big picture of what God is doing. Uh, Our story about sin is real, but sin has been turned into this mystical, hard to understand thing. Sin is just simply when we miss the mark, when we get it wrong, when we don't do life God's way. That's all sin is. Sin can be these small little things, these big things. But when we live our life like that, it's just a matter of expressing to someone, we hurt ourselves, we wound ourselves, and we generally then go and wound other people because we miss the mark. But again, let me tell you about the one who is the answer to that. But it is about being bold enough to bring it back to that situation. Now, Linda, you've been on holidays in Fiji, half your luck, but had a great conversation with you where even on holiday you were ready, you're ready to hear a story, and you did hear a story, but then you suddenly came to the revelation, you've got to share, you've got to go a little bit deeper, even disagree, and just share a little bit about the grace of Jesus. Why don't you share that? Neil, Nicole and I had a week in Fiji over these school holidays and before I'd gone, uh, I'd asked the Lord uh, just to help me to be alert and to hear his voice if there are opportunities to to talk to anyone. So on our first morning there, uh, uh, we met uh, Janice from Melbourne, who's in her early 50s, and her daughter Megan, who's about 12. Janice is a single mum and uh, um, we met one another standing looking at the breakfast buffet deciding what we should and shouldn't eat being middle-aged women and you know the whole weight issue and so forth and uh and we just connected quickly um and uh she said I'd love to talk later so we did we caught up and and then over the next days um the five of us would uh touch base about what we were doing on holidays um what you know what experiences we'd had and uh and Janice was sharing more of her story um she's a cleaner at um Tullamarine airport in Melbourne and has to leave by five in the morning and leave her daughter at home and gets home by two and her weekend is Wednesday and Thursday so she's uh, on her weekend and Megan's at home on the weekend on her just tough tough stuff Um, but we had lovely time sharing and um, Megan really wanted to um, learn to paddleboard Uh, and Megan's very shy and withdrawn and uh, Nicole had conquered paddleboarding and was loving it and was going down each morning to have have a go. Uh, Neil never got there really. Um, (laughs) and, um, And Nicole was trying to work out a time with Megan to go down to do some paddleboarding with her, but it didn't happen until our very last day, which was last Monday, and it was their last day as well. Uh, so Nicole and Megan uh, went off and um, uh, did their paddleboarding, and, and Neil was very astute, and he realised that that was some time that a couple of ladies could have a chat, so he did his own thing, and uh, Megan and I were just, um, Janice and I were just chatting, and Janice was the one who uh, raised the issue because we just we'd said that we go to church, and Nicole had said how she's a youth group leader, and um, and Janice shared that uh, she was a Catholic, yeah. had a Catholic upbringing, and uh, very quickly went to the place vehemently saying you shouldn't be forced to go to church, um, and 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 made to go, um, and uh, and then also said. Um, and, and I, she, she said, I don't believe we're all sinners. 
Uh, we all make mistakes, but God loves us all. And I'm quickly yeah, assessing what, what to say. And, and um, uh, so I said to her, um, well, actually, I, there's stuff there I agree with and I don't agree with. And I said, actually, we are all sinners. Yeah. Um, and I knew that because she had a Catholic background that she would have some biblical understanding and would know about Adam and Eve. Uh, so I quickly went to that place of it all stems back to Adam and Eve that, yeah. you know, I said, we're all broken by sin, every one of us. Um, and that's where it started. And we all need a saviour. Uh, and that's the wonderful thing about God that he sent his son Jesus yeah. to die on the cross um, because he loves us yeah. and he wants us back. He loves us. Yeah. Um, so it was an opportunity there to, um, I guess, address, have a chat with her about her thinking. Yeah. Um, and um, the other point that Janice brought up, I'm just trying to remember what it was. Oh, it's gone. Um, yeah, but we, we chatted a bit more about it and then conversation just drifted off into other things. Yeah. yeah. And I, look, that's, we've all had that situation before and we can let that little moment drift. This is what I'm saying, let's grab those moments, let's risk. Lynn, I didn't know this lady extremely well, but there's a little bit of awkwardness in saying, listen, I want to disagree with you on that, but being willing to disagree put it out there and let God do the work in, in her heart. I was with a, a friend this week who is trying to plant a church in Tasmania and one of the things he says when this sort of thing happens, he says, tell me what you think a Christian is. And very often the person will say, well, a Christian is someone that goes to church every Sunday, has to go to church, that, in, you know, they don't like sin, you know, they're holy people. And he says, oh, rightio, well, with what you're saying there, I'm not a Christian. The person will go, what? And then it's a great in to say, can I tell you what, what I know a Christian is? And here's, a, here's, look, you would have heard us say this before, but a 20-second version, if you've only got 20 seconds, is do versus done. So people say religion is about doing. I've got to go to church. I've got to be a good person. I've got to help old ladies across the street. I've got to give money to the church. That's what everybody thinks being a Christian is all about. But can I just tell you, being a Christian is about what has been done, D-O-N-E. It's what Jesus did on the cross for us. It's what he's done. He took our sin. He took the need to do all of those things so that we'd have a relationship with him. And sometimes that's all you can get in. I've had the chance to share that one. But it is a matter of, at some point, breaking in and saying, I've got to talk, I've got to tell you about the person of Jesus. I might not be a theologian, but I've got to tell you about the person of Jesus. The other one is throw out invitations. Um, and again, you'll get rejected. I've got some squash buddies I've played with over the years. I've invited them both along to church here. Not once have they taken me up on my invitation. That's a part of the process. So, you know, pay for a meal at a restaurant, look after somebody's kids. Uh, that act of love might come first. This is this thing, well, God, what are you saying to me? Another one is, hey, my wife and I, we pray a lot. Do you reckon we could pray with you or pray for you about anything? That's a real simple one to, to begin a conversation. But is anything, God, what, what do you want me to do in this moment? 
Betsy, can I ask you now, I love Betsy's story, is a very normal story of engaging with someone and just listening to the promptings of God. Sure. Um, well, like Carl said, um, for us as a staff, he's been talking about this for a little while now. And um, so this has been on my radar. And as most of you would know, I've been um, recovering from a broken shoulder. Uh, so I'm very limited in my exposure with people. I've been um, stuck between work and home, home and church, work, home, church. That's about it. So um, to have this kind of put out in front of me again um, on my radar was a bit of a, okay, I've got to be intentional with this. So, um, and for starters, I'm a tasky type of person. I have a list of things to do. I've got to get it done and I don't have time to talk to people like these good people here. I do have time, but it's not as natural. So, um, so it was on my radar to try and um, be ready to take that risk. And throughout the course of the last several weeks, uh, one week I had to have an interview with one of my daughter's school teachers. And um, Matt was on the night afternoon shift or whatever, so he was able to get me there. But I didn't have a ride home. So as I was, and even because I had transport issues because of my arm, because I haven't been able to drive, um, they were trying to reschedule it, but they couldn't. And I walked in there and the girl they had the interview with, she was sick um, herself. She was very, could barely talk and um, a bit sniffly and all of that. And I said, you shouldn't be here. And she said, well, you shouldn't be here. And it was all very um, us feeling sorry for each other. So straight away, um, I'm in this situation. We had the interview. And then when we're done, they said, how are you going to get home? And I said, oh, it's okay, because I was coming back here to work. I said, somebody, I'll just call someone. Or um, it was close enough that I could have walked. I said, or I'll walk. I'll figure it out. I'll be fine. And they said, no, no, let us take you. One of us will do that. And I don't like to put anybody out ever. Um, it's, I don't like to be out of my comfort zone in that sense. So normally would totally, no, no, I'll be fine, it'll be, it'll be fine, I'll figure it out. But I kind of felt the, let them do this. So I said, okay, that'd be great. And it ended up being the sick teacher that um, popped me in the car. And so we're on our way and we talked a bit about her health issue and the fact that it's a reoccurrent um, throat issue and um, how it happens, flares up a lot and commiserated with her. But as we headed towards the church, um, and she figured out that we were going to a church. Uh, I had named it. I said Catalyst Church. She said, oh, um, the principals had lots of interviews with a lot of the preppies that are going in next year. He said that all the parents from that, that place are just so nice. So well done to all of you. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, straight away we kind of had started to head into a, bif a different territory. And um, so we were able to – she asked me what type of church we were and we talked about it a bit and – came onto the campus and she got to see it and um, pretty much ended about there. We got in, I thanked her for the ride and um, she left and um, I was kind of like, okay, so that was a bit different for me who likes to do everything for myself. I actually um, had a bit more of an encounter with, with this girl and um, I went in and I was talking to Jessica about it and I said, well, I wonder what I should do, what, what next? Because I had this, this little chart thing and um, I'm like, what, what could I do next? And I said to Jessica, maybe I could get her some cough lollies. And Jessica was like, no. She's a speech pathologist and they're anti-cough lollies. So if you ever have a sore throat, don't suck a cough lolly. Um, but she, she said, but there's, oh, no, I've forgotten it, Maduka honey. Or, um, it's a type of honey. 
I think I said the name right, if you're a throat person, in some warm water. Um, she said, put that in some, uh, get her some honey so that she can put, you know, that'll help. She said, but it's very expensive. And I'm like, oh, I'll work this out. And so I had to get Matt to take me down to the store because I still can't drive. So it's big, you know, dramas for me to do this. And I finally get this and I bundle it up and I write a note thanking her for doing the appointment anyway and, you know, giving her the instructions with this honey and send it off with Abby. So it's pretty much about there um, at this point um, because we've had school holidays since then. But this girl is on my heart and um, I know more of her story and I'm looking forward to when I can be in the school next to actually see her and check in on her and and all of that. So I'm up to that next bit. Yep, and you see how normal that is. I love that the story's not finished. It's in the middle of the process. But for Betsy there, it was do it. She, she heard from God. She's got a prompting. She took two opportunities there to, to show love. Or well, one was about stretching herself. One is showing love. But that's all it takes. And oh, let's see where that story, story goes from there. That's, that's up to God, ultimately. But this is the fourth step in the process is do it. When you hear the prompting, do it. We're all pretty good at hearing promptings, or can be, but not so good at following through and stretching ourselves. Glenn, you had a, a story with uh, Truckee where God gave you a prompting. Why don't you just tell us how you came to actually do it? Okay, yeah. For um, I remember one time, a little while back, there was this uh, big truck driver pulled up in the dock, and they're big finger docks where we have, so they actually back inside, and uh, we stand about the same height as the trailer. And as this driver walked down from the, back, from the front of his cab, down the side of the, um, the, the semi, the Lord said to me, he said, I want you to just share with him that I love him. And I thought, oh, yeah, how am I going to do this? And so I, I checked the right-hand side of the trailer, and I said to the Lord, well, if he's standing up behind me when I get to the left-hand side at the front, <laughs> he's standing right behind me, I'm going to tell him. And so I get to the uh, moved the curtain, checked it off, and turn around, here's this driver standing right behind me. So I turned around and said to him, said, you know, mate, I said, I'm a born-again Christian. And he goes, well, good on you. And, <laughs> you know, he didn't care. I hate born-again Christians. He probably did, but who cares? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said to him, so, mate, I said, we believe that um, the Holy Spirit speaks to us about different things and, and he communicates to us. And I said, I believe he's got something for me to tell you. And he goes, what's that? I said, mate, God really loves you. And he goes, what? I said, God really loves you, brother. Now, I've never seen a truck driver run so fast. Yeah, you know, he took off down to the side of his truck, back up to the other side, and climbed in his cab. Yeah, never seen him again. Yeah, and yeah, I think you just got to be ready to share something, you know, because God can just do a miracle, you know. And when you see, when you see the effects of what the Spirit does in the people's yeah. lives, yeah. I think it is just totally awesome. Yeah, especially yeah. big bikes. Yeah. they run like a little chicken. <laughs> Look, you know, great story about just getting out there and doing it, but that took some obedience to see the little Gideon's fleece that um, you have there as well. But, you know, get out there and do it. Great, great story. I, we had it there in the middle. Be normal how you do it. Philip and that Ethiopian, he simply says to him, are you understanding what you're reading there? He doesn't say to him, well, the, thus saith the Lord, you know, you're going to burn in hell if you don't, you know, do, do it this or do that. He just says, do you understand what you're reading? And it opens up a whole nother level of conversation. And I think, Nicole, you've often, you were saying that last week. It's not as hard as you think, you know. It's just about being normal, looking for the opportunities. 
Yeah, and I guess just letting it happen because right. God puts the right words in yeah. into the conversation yeah. and and with the conversations that you have with the people, different people in your life, um, things will come up and and their opportunities yeah. to discuss and yeah. bring faith into it. Yeah, great. Final one, what is next? What is next? That's a great next because it, then it doesn't leave it just that I did it great, I'll run for the hills myself. No, what, God, what's next? Where do you want me to go next? How do I act? I can keep praying. If I do nothing else, I'll keep praying, looking for that opportunity. But God, I'd love you to speak to me. And again, it's got to come back to a message about Jesus. At some point, we can't just keep wanting to celebrate the person and love the person and just put our arm around the person. That's only half the story. That won't make full sense to people unless we say, listen, this is my story of having it messed up. This is my story about Jesus. At some point there, it's a message of faith. With Philip and the Ethiopian, he, he doesn't say to the guy, listen, can I take you to a really cool coffee shop where they will wear top knots and uh, there's great music playing and I'll just show you that Christians aren't weird, we're all cool, we'll just sit there and have a coffee together and discuss politics. If he did that, it would just be a caffeinated Ethiopian that we're talking about today. It wouldn't be an Ethiopian that was saved by the love of Christ. You, you read that story, he, he takes that verse and it says, and he led him back and spoke about Jesus that's who we're talking about at some point we're finding the chance to talk about Jesus into that relationship and I think we've got to be more willing to do that earlier than later we sort of we give ourselves a little bit too much fishing line in that one so oh, eventually I'll get there now I'd, I'd like us to start thinking God I, when is that moment because that's powerful this matters for eternity if you think back to those lepers you know they understood they were saved and that's what we are. We're saved from an eternity separate from God. We're saved into a life that is rich. You know, for the next five or six weeks, we're going to talk about Simplify. It is just basic biblical truths that Jess and I, for instance, are fascinated with that, that order your life and give wisdom and give us so much more peace and wholeness in our family. They're just in the Scriptures. They're nothing incredibly new but they give me a richness of life. This is what we have to offer. Now, I'm not saying we have no problems or no issues, but there's a peace available to us and we don't get to just hold that to ourselves and, yeah, we might risk something, but we share with people at the same time. Anybody else want to add a final comment before we finish? Um, yeah, I, um, a while ago... Um really had to search my heart because I felt my faith was a lot about up here and not in here. And so I found it yeah. hard to share. Yeah. Um, and I had to be honest with myself and honest with the Lord about that. And so I've found over the years that when I get to that really honest place with God, yeah. that he answers me, he yeah. meets that need. And yeah. so I did. And I, I asked the Lord, Lord, I, I understand that you've died for me. Yeah. Um, and I get it. And I understand about the church. But it's not in here. Yeah. And, I, and I don't know how to get it from here to here. Yeah. So could you please do whatever you need to do? Because yeah. I don't know what to do. Yeah. And uh, I have learned over the years that God loves those honest, desperate prayers. Yeah, very good. I was really 
it was a it was a desperate. I was um, I said I told her I want to be passionate. I, I want to I want, I want I want your love to grip my heart. Yeah. So then it bubbles up and overflows. Yeah. And, um, and I think that can be a common problem sometimes, particularly if you've grown up in the church. We've been in church for a long time, yeah. that we get so familiar with the story uh, of that Jesus died for us, and we know it, but it may not be gripping yeah. us. And, and I've found since I've been really honest with the Lord about that, um, the Holy Spirit has been changing my heart yeah. so yeah. that now I am more, oh, Lord, you tell me in your word you have good plans for me today. Yeah. So help me to hear your Holy Spirit and open my eyes to who I yeah. need to speak to. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I think there's different pathways for people in that. I think for some it would be reading books that open up what grace is all about. For others it might be more of a ethereal sort of nature deal and getting out there just soaking in worship but whatever path it might be i think god wants to make that real into our hearts no doubt anybody else just as we finish glenn yeah carl I'll just, oh i would say is um you know when i first got saved i said to the lord i said i can't be silent yeah i've got to speak up and and you know f- for most people who most people don't know my ins and outs of my testimony but um god does yeah. And so when I, when I said that to the Lord, he, he, and I used to say to the Lord after that, I said, Lord, I've got to get people saved. I've got to get people saved. And he said to me, he said, you don't save them. He said, you're my instrument. Yeah. He said, you, all you've got to do is speak out. Yeah. And he said, then let my Holy Spirit do it. Yeah. And I started doing that. Then the Lord said to me, he said, Glenn, he said, you're better off to say something than nothing because I can always work with something. Yeah. And even if it doesn't come out right the first time, who cares? Give it another go. Yeah. I could tell you story upon story where it just didn't come out properly, yeah. but God still did something. Yeah. yeah, that's a great place to finish. Can you just thank our panel uh, this morning? Appreciate you being real and opening up and just saying what you're saying. And uh, I'll just pray. God, we thank you for a little refresher, reminder, God, about your love, your grace for us. And we pray that... You do open up these opportunities.